Hello, welcome to the D&D Roundtable presented by The Tome Show. I'm your host, James Intercasso. Please use the affiliate links on thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other, and then shop as you normally would. Today, we're talking about the upcoming Rage of Demons D&D storyline and the departure of Rodney Thompson from Wizards of the Coast. Let's meet the panel and kick things off with our get-to-know-you question. Driz Dorden, yay or nay? Jeff Greiner. Uh, Driz, um, okay. Just okay? I mean, I read and have read every, pretty much every single book. Uh, <laughs> so so there must be something there. At the same time, you know, I, I, I understand the, um, the hesitancies of some people towards Driz. Um, I've never personally experience the player who wants to to basically play Driss, the the renegade drow with the wheels two scimitars that's never really occurred you hear those stories but in my uh, anecdotal experience it, it doesn't really happen mm-hmm. um i feel like the character could grow maybe a little bit more but i've i've spoken to uh, r.a salvatore himself about that mm-hmm. um you know so you know but i i keep buying him so there must be something going on but i don't expect him to show up in my game anytime soon <laughs> <laughs> yeah i uh, i feel like as when people want to play him uh, it's the same reaction you get if if somebody shows up with a character named gandalf at the table sure. right like it's it's like ah, i wish i wish there were a little originality here i wish there were something else going on um, yeah but but that i don't know that that's happened to me since i was you know 10 so right yeah it hasn't happened to me either uh and it does feel like driz suffers a little bit from the ryan seacrest factor of people see and hear about him so much that they are just tired of it and they sure. want to see something new well let's meet some more people on the panel here dave gibson drizzed yay or nay nay not because i hate the character or i've had problems with the the driz clones but i just didn't like the books. I found the books terribly plotted. Mm. So it was my, my book nerdism. I mm. started, I've read the first two books of the first two trilogies and never got around to reading the third book that concluded the trilogy. <laughs> I just, I started reading them and they just had an initial plot and it kind of meandered and then it <laughs> stuff just happened and he was just throwing plot elements and, and then they just kind of ended. I didn't when, feel like they were cohesive. At, at what age were you when you start, first started reading them? I would have been like in my thirties, so mm. I am far too old to be reading. Those right. See, I feel like I feel like I I got into it at the perfect time because I was in middle school when I read my first Drist book, and right. so the books matured. At like uh, Salvatore as an author matured, uh, as I also matured and demanded more of my reading. So <laughs> it, it worked out just right. It's me being a huge nitpicky person because yeah. <laughs> he also wrote them when he was like 27, 28. So he, yeah, was he was younger than me when he wrote them. And could I have done a better book at the time? Maybe, probably not. So <laughs> I'm just being a jerk and saying they. <laughs> no, I think that's fine. And I actually appreciate that more than just Drizzt is dumb. Uh, so it's, it's great to have a constructive piece of criticism to say about that. And of course, Liz Tice is with us here on the round table. Liz Tice, welcome back. Drizzt, yay or nay? Drizzt is dumb. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, actually, I thought I was going to get a lot of flack because uh, my my true answer is, is nay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it might be because I also read them when I was, you know, not uh, in junior high or high school or something like that, I, I tried reading uh, two of the books um, within the past few years, and it was more 
I just didn't really feel connected to the character. Um, you know, there was excitement going on in the story and I found I just really didn't care. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I really been reading the books more for, <laughs> um, I guess, uh, so I can know more about the community because they are so popular. Mm -hmm. um, but I read them more when I've run out of books and don't want to pay for, for new books since I own them already. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and, and, and honestly, I often find that um, Drist is not usually the most interesting character in the stories either. So no. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, might I finish all the books one day? Maybe. Um, but I think it would be more just because I've run out of books I find interesting to read at the time. Yeah. And it's funny. I, uh, you know, I, I like Driz done with Jeff. I've, I've read a lot of the books and I feel like because I started early too, I started, you know, in middle school that that sort of nostalgia also carries you along. Like you're like, Oh cool. I'm, I'm going back into this world. And he, you know, Salvatore has a knack for writing action. Certainly. Um, but I do think, particularly when it comes to things like dialogue and stuff, you're sometimes a little like, well, no one actually talks like this. And, uh, but I do think some of his other stuff, if you read, um, even like the, the cleric quintet, mm -hmm. um, I, I love that. I think actually uh, Catterley Bonaduce is, uh, is my favorite realms character. So, That's an amazing name. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> really, just because I love to say Catterley Bonaduce. Um, so, well, if you get into that series, though, then you can deal with Pickle Boulder Shoulder. Right. <laughs> well, what's wrong with Pickle? He's great. Nothing. That's, that's what I'm saying. But if you want to talk about great names, Fair enough. actually, I've often said that one of the the weak points of Salvatore is his name, his name naming of characters, especially dwarves. But yeah. but he has, but he certainly has fun with them. Uh, well, one of the reasons we're talking about Drizzt is because we're talking about the next D&D &D adventure storyline, Rage of Demons. Rage of Demons is going to be like Elemental Evil, the Tyranny of Dragons, storylines that we saw before. It's going to permeate, you know, the, the tabletop game, and an official adventure is going to come out for it uh, that Green Ronin is going to do. Uh, that adventure is called... Out of the Abyss. Out of the Abyss. Yes, thank you, Dave. That adventure. He knew, he knew that. He was just testing you. <laughs> uh, I had it up somewhere, and then I lost my notes. I passed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Green Ronin is going to be doing the next, uh, you know, they're, they're continuing to outsource their adventures. It's going to be, it sounds like another mega adventure, just like uh, the Elemental Evil storyline has with Princes of the Apocalypse. We'll probably see some stuff bleed over into all of the various other platforms that we've seen so far, the Neverwinter MMO. You know, who knows, by that time, maybe we'll see something with Legends of the Sword Coast? I don't know. Uh, but, you know, we're expecting to see that. We've seen some art from this. But the storyline, essentially, it sounds like, uh, heavily involves Drizzt taking... Uh, you know, a party of adventurers into the Underdark for this tabletop game and for the Adventurers League component um, to fight a bunch of demon lords and their various friends. And, uh, you know, Greg Tito was on the podcast a few weeks ago talking about this, um, and uh, he gave us a little preview. It sounds like every demon lord ever is in there. You know, you've got your big guys like Demogorgon and Grazid, uh, Orcus, um, but then you've also got, like, the fungus queen demon and uh and all that good stuff are, so, are you are you speaking 
poorly of Zugtmoy? <laughs> uh, I'm I'm not speaking poorly. I'm just saying perhaps that is a a deeper cut, if you will, <laughs> than Zugtmoy was the was the villain of the original Temple of Elemental Evil. Sure, sure. Like I said, a deeper <laughs> cut. <laughs> uh, you know, I saw this. I was actually pretty pumped up. It seemed like, oh, this is kind of going to be a cool storyline. A lot of people seemed worried that, you know, you might be playing second fiddle to Drizzt, but that's when addressed by Chris Perkins on Twitter, who assures everyone that, no, 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 the adventurers are the stars. Still, Drizzt is there as like a, you know, a patron and a, a quest giver more than he is as a, a hero of this story. Uh, what did you guys think about the Rage of Demons storyline? Are you pumped up for it? Jeff Greiner. Uh, okay, so here are my notes. Ready? Mm-hmm. Um, Underdark? Meh. I'm not super excited about Underdark Adventures. Uh, Drist in my campaign, I'm kind of meh about as well. However, Green Ronin, I'm a big fan of. Demons in my game, I'm a big fan of. And in my experience, Green Ronin doing demons is like, I'm a super big fan of like my first exposure to, to green Ronin was a, a book of demons and devils that they did for third edition as a third party product. And it was so fantastic. I ended up buying a bunch of stuff and, and became, you know, friendly with a lot of the, well, with the t- two primary employees of the company, and everything. So I, I put a lot of faith in green Ronin. Um, and especially when dealing with demons. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the great things about these adventures is that you can, they're so modular usually, you can chop them up. And if you wanted to make it take place on the surface, you might be able to do that swap drow for, for you know, wood elves or something like that. Or you just want the stats for the demon lords. Sounds like they're going to be in that book. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. Um, I, I'm a big Underdark fan. I really like the Underdark, but I know a lot of people don't. It does seem like kind of a natural place for them to go because then maybe they can tap into some more races and everything but they've already brought out the spurf nablin for elemental evil so i'm interested to see what they they do with that and we already have and we already have the drow yeah um you know we might get we might get what durger durger yeah Yeah. uh i don't know quagoth are we gonna see quagoth characters i mean there was there was a quagoth uh artwork of an npc that was shown right right yeah, and goblins. They're, they're, uh, it seems like goblins are a big mm, part of I suppose. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe maybe some goblin PCs. We could use some more small races. What did you think, Dave Gibson? How are you feeling about Rage of Demons? Mm, well, my sarcastic first thought was, last, Wizards of the Coast is producing an adventure focused around an extra-dimensional threat where the player characters have to face the means <laughs> and cultists of a, a powerful <laughs> evil trying to enter the Forgotten Realms. telling <laughs> the mighty evil being and closing the portal through which it was trying to enter the world. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, so I think, no, I think that's a good point, and I have that in my notes, too. It is a little bit of familiar ground, even for 5th edition, right? <laughs> Yeah. Of which there's only three adventures, uh, <laughs> including this one, and they all seem to have that same format, right? Uh, now, so, now, do we do we have a specific reason to think cult when we look at Rage of Demons, other than it's dealing with demon lords? Because I don't like as I'm reading, I'm the, looking through the description, and I don't see any mention of cult there. The monster manual does mention like demonic cults as one of the big followers of the demon. Sure, but that doesn't, so mean, cultists that, doesn't mean that they're going to play a role in this game, right? In this adventure. Well, cultists, mortal minions, it's just six of one, half a dozen of another. <laughs> frosting yeah, but, out cults and put worshiper or follower or... See, black. I'm more thinking, because drow have a long history uh, of relationships with, with demon lords, but I don't know that I would call the drow cultists of those demon lords. Well, yeah, and perhaps it's a, uh, you know, it's it's an accidental thing. I know it sounds like it's going to involve uh, Grumpf, 
binary from the, from the who's been in the you know the Driz novel since the Dark Elf trilogy. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. Uh, like maybe he unleashes the demons by accident or that kind of thing, which would be pretty cool. Like, hey, we got to go clean up this mess. Uh, I I think that would be a kind of a cool storyline. I can't see Grump doing something like that on accident, though. He's pretty, (laughs) like, he's all about being in control of that kind of stuff, right? He doesn't usually make those kinds of mistakes. Well, maybe it's an accident, but, you know, uh, sorry, not sorry. Maybe he wants to destroy the Underdark or something. Dave Gibson, though, uh, uh, aside from that sort of general, like, uh uh-oh, looks like they might be doing the same story again, uh, are you excited about the content we might get? Maybe some of the mechanical things? the idea of goblin uh, pcs and possible capolds or whatever could be kind of interesting the story just kind of makes me wary because like underdark's cool and demons are cool and both i'd be happy to see either of those in adventure i'm not sure how underdarks and demons work really well other than the drow worshiping lolth mm-hmm. and it doesn't sound like lolth might not be in this as much because she's more of a god right it seems mm-hmm. kind of an, an odd mashup <laughs> like I don't know, like Neverwinter was planning an Underdark expansion, and Sword Coast Legends was on the horizon, and then it turned out they were both kind of coming out this time, so they just kind of mashed the two storylines together. Mm. That's just me being, you know, crazy conspiracy theorist. <laughs> um, well, from a marketing play, certainly yeah. that that would make sense, you know. I do, yeah, I do like the the big epic stories, and the idea it's a lovely excuse to bring in the, the various demon princes and stat them up, which is a great. Mm-hmm. I love how they're doing that. Though they're they're statting up the Tiamat and they're statting up the elemental princes, mm-hmm. and it's it's a great way of throwing these extra high level monsters out there and having these little fun stories. And I expect that maybe later on we'll have some like Vecna, and instead of cultists, it'll be like undead or something like that. Yeah. There's lots of really powerful epic threats they could throw out there for stats. It's, it's, I think it's, it's time to head over to the to Thay and t- see what the Red Wizards are up to. Yeah, but, you too. Know, this is, yeah. I was, um, one of the things from Princes of Apocalypse, to drip back a bit, mm-hmm. there's a, a drow in that, which his name is in my notes mm-hmm. here, uh, Vizarin Devere. And Devere mm-hmm. is a house of uh, Menzo Branzan. Mm-hmm. And he's just kind of, he is, Sir does not appear in this module. He shows mm-hmm. up creates the magic items in the backstory and never appears again. And it's just kind of this weird, huh? Moment. <laughs> and I was hoping when I heard the initial stuff of Rage of the Demons that he'd be the initiator or a, a key factor in this. And instead mm-hmm. it's the, uh, it's a, a Gromf, Gromf mm-hmm. So that was a bit of a disappointment because it'd be neat if they had this, like the seed of this drow causing these problems wandering through. <laughs> never, no. Gentleman well, caller. So. <laughs> well, you know, we don't we don't know all the details, so maybe he is in some way an instigator. You know, yeah, maybe a puppet master, if you will. What about mm-hmm. a Green Ronin? Are you are you? How do you feel about them working with D and D? I haven't I haven't done much in the way of Green Ronin. I have the couple uh, third party products for Pathfinder and some other stuff, but Green Ronin kind of I skirted around them for the most part. Mm-hmm. I don't know much in the way of their adventures. I'm mostly familiar with their their actual role playing products, like the Dragon Age stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, so the mutants and masterminds. And that looks very high quality. But as far as adventures, that's going to be a determining factor. It's how well is their adventure writing team, and how well are their storytellers? Because yeah. whether or not you can hammer out a great source book or role playing game is one thing. Whether or not you can hammer out a great plot and story, especially one that has to cram 15 levels of content into under 300 pages. That's that's a challenge. <laughs> they're, they're pretty well critically acclaimed for their Freeport adventures. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Freeport is, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, Liz, uh, you know, what about you? How are you feeling about Rage of Demons? So I, I have to admit, when I first read the 
um, just general summary when it first was announced, I was meh. Um, <laughs> but then I went, wait, wait, wait. I think this is Green Ronin because, you know, I had heard mm-hmm. rumors. Mm-hmm. Um, so the moment that was confirmed, I was completely on board. Um, it was just like when, you know, I heard that Wolfgang Bauer was working on the Tyranny of Dragons thing. I, I immediately knew I'd be picking it up and purchasing it um, <laughs> just because I... I'm a little biased because I get to work with the Green Ronin people on a pretty (laughs) regular basis. Um, But they they are just such a great team. So I know Mm -hmm. that whatever, if they're they're working on it, I feel confident that they're going to put their heart and soul into it um, and and really work to to create a great a great resource for fifth edition players. So I'm, I'm just I'm very excited to to pick it up yeah so am i and i think that is one of the big factors in in my excitement as well i anything i have that on my shelf from green ronin i love i love it i love mutants and masterminds you know i love everything that they've done um i even just love reading it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They, they do a great job of making rule books readable uh so i uh am a am a big fan of that they're more the creative directors, you know, just sort of leading everything. But the people in the trenches doing a lot of the work are these other companies who are doing, working their butts off at the grindstone every day because they have to, you know? Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for them. It's the the timeline has worked out such that they're working on this. The same time they're working on the stuff for the tabletop show for mm-hmm. Will Wheaton. So mm-hmm. I just, I feel bad for their team and sort of the the uh, just perfect storm that's uh, created in terms of their their timeline. <laughs> it's a good it's a good sort of bad to feel for them though. I mean, because that's yes. just a testament to their success, right? It, <laughs> it, yes, yes. I'm sure they're like, yay! Oh, yay! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Gen Con 2015 is the year of Green Ronin. It's yeah, their really. con this year. I, I'm going to take a lot of credit for this Green Ronin working for Watsi thing because I ran around Gen Con last year and I talked to the Green Ronin guys and says said you got to if if Watsi's going to be farming this stuff out, you've got to be working with them. And then I went to the Watsi guys and says, look, if you're going to be farming this stuff out, Green Ronin is the perfect people to go to and then i heard like the next day they were having a meeting so i think it's all me i think i made this happen <laughs> <laughs> well there I'm you certain, go i'm certain the watsy guys never would have thought to talk to green Arnie if it hadn't been for me <laughs> jeff griner makes it happen people that's right that's, that's why he has the longest running D podcast <laughs> of all time the official D podcast is actually uh like two months older than mine well, but you have yeah. put out far more episodes. <laughs> I put out far more episodes. <laughs> I want to talk to you guys a little bit about the art uh, that sort of right after the announcement, um, they started tweeting out some art. Yeah. You know, Chris Perkins gave us like the the what for about who some of these people were. Um, you know, we've got Topsy and Turvy who are Swerf Nablin were-rat siblings. And we've got a, a Swerf Nablin called the Pudding King. Uh, who is a devotee of Jubilex, who is the Lord of Oozes. A pair of fungal creatures, Myconids. Myconids, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Myconids. Yeah, Myconids. And their names are Rumpadump and Stool. Um, and they're not, you know, they're not drawn necessarily sort of in the 5e style that we've seen with Elemental Evil and Tyranny of Dragons in the core rulebooks. Uh, it definitely has more of a stylistic feel. Everything's shadowed kind of 
Um, and it has this sort of weird off-putting, uh, you know, the, the body dimensions are a little bit off. Uh, people have been saying Alice in Wonderland-esque. You know, I, I'm interested to hear what you guys think of the art. I'm really into it. I'm like, oh, this is cool and sort of evokes a particular feel that they're trying to go for for this story. I appreciate the risk they're taking. Uh, what do you think, Dave? I just, well, I love the the, the concepts of most of it more mm-hmm. than anything, like the, the awakened gelatinous cube. Right, right. <laughs> the, uh, the mind flare with the... Uh, half amputated tentacle that's got kind of a brass stump cap kind of thing. <laughs> there's there's some a lot of really neat details in the art I, I imagine it's just concept art and we'll actually see something that's a little bit more in line with the, the style yeah. but it's just such it's um it's so flavorful and evocative so even if it isn't exactly what you get it's it's almost it's anime in the way that it exaggerates to show you the details that are important right and, right that said, Pudding King, uh, devotee, devotee, wouldn't that be kind of a cultist? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of. I'm Zugtmoy. <laughs> there are a lot of uh, like devotees or followers listed in here. Um, mm. I, I do think uh, perhaps they are strategically just trying to avoid the word cultist. You know? <laughs> um, it's very political feeling in that respect. Broke out their thesaurus. <laughs> I also love the uh, yak yak and spider bait, the goblin adrenaline junkies. That's, that's a yeah. fun descriptor for <laughs> goblins, oh, even though yeah. they, they look very unlike. They look more Pathfinder Goblin-y, or at least the uh, Yuck Yuck does. And I think it is worth pointing out that this is probably some kind of concept art, because we've seen the cover already for Out of the Abyss, and the Out of the Abyss cover, while it looks awesome, it's Demogorgon, you know, tearing some stuff up, that does look to be a little more in line with what we have seen on all the covers of the other books and adventures and stuff that have come out. Uh, so I'm, I think not, I'm, not, I'm not sure that that's what that means. Um, I mean, if 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 I if you look at the Tyranny of Dragons, uh, the cover art is in line with all the other covers, but the interior art is is a very different style. That's true. Um, so, yeah, so I don't I don't know that you can. I mean, consistent, but no. this this could very well be um, the finished art for these characters, uh, and I and I wouldn't be surprised if it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like from the conversations I've had interviewing um, Wolfgang uh, and uh, um, Baker Rich, right. Uh, for for Prince of the Apocalypse, um, that I mean, when these things are are farmed out to the studios, the, they're basically left to figure out the art on their own, and they oftentimes end up working with the artists that they're used to working with in their company, not necessarily the Watsi artists. Uh, Prince of the Apocalypse um, is a little bit more in line with that because Rich Baker wasn't used to being an art director on that level, <laughs> and so, and so he, if, according to the interview that I, when I talked to him, he actually called on the art director at Watsi a lot for help on, I need to find an artist that can do this, and I need to find an artist that can do that. And so he ended up using a lot of the, the Watsi stable of artists. artists yeah. yeah, I mean, I would love it if we saw this in a book. Uh, that would be great. Uh, Liz, what do you think? Yeah, I when I first saw the art, I, I immediately just thought, wow, this is really fun art. Um, and it, it wouldn't surprise me if this was finalized art. And it, it does remind me of, of art that I I've seen in green Ronin uh, style books before. Um, it, it is very, very different though, than the art we've seen in the, you know, player's handbook and the, um, you know, other staple staple books from uh, wizards. So it's just, 
it'll be interesting to see, I guess, how the the community reacts, just because I think it is quite different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, you'd sort of, while I like it, you'd sort of be missing the continuity uh, when it comes to art throughout the the different books. So it'll be interesting, I think, to to see what others others think. I don't personally care. Um, <laughs> I, I like that it it sort of. Uh, seems to fit this overall theme and feel that they're going for, which I think to me is more important than continuity. Uh, I think there are other ways to, uh, speaking as a marketing and branding professional, guys, (laughs) uh, I think that there are ways to maintain your brand uh, and still have a little bit of a different style and feel. Oh, yeah. Loosen the brand cuffs, if you will. So hopefully, uh, Jeff Greiner, uh, what do you think about all this art? Uh, I think the art is fine. It's like we've said many times, it's not necessarily in keeping with what we've seen in the 5e books, but it's not, uh, I don't dislike it. Um, so I, I think I'd, I'm fine with it. I'm actually more excited about the characters. Uh, I think uh, Dave kind of uh, alluded to this as well, that that the characters are fun and weird and quirky. And, and I feel like I would have a really good time as a DM playing those characters. That said, they're all kind of weird and quirky. Uh, and so there's a balance there, right? On one hand, I like fun and weird and quirky. On the other hand, if everything's fun, and weird and quirky, do I feel like I'm running Gamer World all of a sudden? You know, is it all kind of turning into a joke? <laughs> Although maybe that's fun too, but, but a rage of demons doesn't sound like it should all be a joke, right? You need a straight man character in there? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and I guess we have the Motley crew at the bottom that, that play the, the straight man villains, right? So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to check out the characters. It makes me interested in, in the level of detail and, and things they're putting into um, some of the NPCs. Because um, some of these are like, you know, it's a quagoth. It's a whatever, right? They don't seem like they're necessarily really important sort of NPCs that are going to need to be fully fleshed out. And yet they've added these fun little quirky things that make them interesting and unique. So, so I, I appreciate that level of, of interest building, even in some of the smaller NPCs, because you never know what a, a group of players is going to latch onto and, and say, okay, this, this quagoth that thinks he's an elf, that's our new favorite guy. Oh, well, that's a good thing. We have some, some information about him then, you know? So yeah, I can appreciate that. Uh, and the and the art's fine. I don't have any issues with the art. Um, and we'll see how it, how it all meshes together. Like I have some issues with some of the Tyranny of Dragons art, but I don't think it's because it doesn't fit in with the larger look of Five E. I just think some of a few there's a few instances where some of them just sort of look weird to me. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean the the gelatinous cube is certainly very comical looking. Uh, I would say probably the most of of all of them, and uh, it seems intentionally so. Like yeah. very, very cartoony, right? <laughs> yeah, but but look at their names. They're all kind of quirky and cartoony. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. The the name suggests that right that there is some humor here. That it is it does have a very gamma worldy feel. Um, and it's just a question of like a guy who calls himself the Pudding King could be very over the top and ridiculous. Could also be very terrifying. We'll have to see how it goes. But it does seem like they're leaning more towards the humor for a lot of these, right? At least for the ones that we've seen so far. Yeah. So we'll see. It's a big, big adventure. It's supposed to take you from levels 1 through 15. So there's probably a lot of NPCs. Don't mess this up, Green Running. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'd like to know what you guys think. Uh, please share your opinion with us. You can go over to thetomeshow.com, comment in the show notes for this episode, or you can hit us up at facebook.com slash thetomeshow. Uh, moving on, guys, to our second topic 
Rodney Thompson has left Wizards of the Coast. Uh, he was a member of the R and D team, and it's you know it's an announcement that he left on good terms and left because he got a job somewhere else. Um, not the usual thing we're used to hearing of of like uh, downsizing and and layoffs and that kind of thing. Um, he got a job with Bungie, who are the creators of Halo and Destiny. They make computer games and, and video games and stuff. Um, it, you know, seeing some tweets and everything from him, it sounds like he's already having a grand old time over there. Uh, I think people have a lot of affection for Rodney. He was always great in interviews during the development of fifth edition. He was a big face that we saw and heard from a lot. You know, he wrote columns regularly. He did hangouts and, and Q and A's and all kinds of stuff. He developed the Lords of Waterdeep board game. You know, he's got a lot of credits over there. I think starting with uh, the Star Wars, mm -hmm. um, the Saga Edition role-playing game, yeah. right? Just prior yeah, to that's that. Where, that's where he got... Well, yeah, he really he really sort of made a name for himself working on Star Wars stuff. Was it Star Wars, but pre-Saga Edition, it was like the 3.0 Star Wars, I believe. So it it might have been. Oh, was it? Gotcha. Yeah, because he said he did a goodbye letter on the site that we'll link to in the show notes that was kind of all about how um, he started when he was 20 uh, doing freelance stuff for Wizards of the Coast, that he, he hadn't even graduated from college yet, and Chris Perkins was emailing him with work, uh, which clearly makes you the coolest guy on campus. Um, so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, at least in my mind. But anyway, uh, I'm pretty sad to see Rodney go. Um, I'd certainly wish him the best. Like I said, he was a cool guy. Uh, it seemed like everybody really loved him. He was very nice and everything um and it's it's sad to see him leave D&D &D, but great that he's going to go work on something that he's excited about. How do you guys feel about Rodney leaving? Obviously you're probably happy for him, but what do you think it means for for D&D &D as well? Uh, Jeff, let's start with you. Well, so you sort of mentioned that this is not the usual way that we're used to people leaving Watsi. Uh, and that's generally true, although I would say this is the second most common way that people leave Watsi. For a video uh, if, game if, company. If, yeah. they're not, if they're not laid off, they go to a video. I mean, and, and yep. uh, Andy Collins, who, I, as I understand, is largely responsible for the mechanics of 4th edition, within a year of 4th edition coming out, went off to go work for a video game company as well. Uh, and so now Rodney worked on fifth edition and it came out and, and moved on to, to Bungie. Um, so I see some other parallels, you know, this isn't the first time this has happened and I'm happy for him. And I'm sure that there's plenty of great people that Watsi could bring in, um, to, to do uh, a similar job. I don't want to say to replace him cause you know, that's a whole other issue. Right. But the question for me is, are, are they? Right, the right. the the D and D team has only gotten smaller in recent years, and I I hope this is not seen as an excuse to well now we can make it a little bit smaller without catching all the bad press of somebody being laid off. Um, I'm hoping they do replace him, mm -hmm. um, uh, and put somebody in that position, um, because I don't want to see the D and D team shrink anymore. Right. Pretty soon is pretty soon is just going to be a brand and licensing team, and like one guy who who runs the runs the you know licenses it out to other studios. <laughs> and it's funny there hasn't been an announcement yet like hey we're looking for a new guy on the r&d team or anything like mm -hmm. that which makes me feel like it's one of two things either they're they're talking about eliminating the position uh 
or they already have someone in mind and perhaps, or, or a few people and there's offers out to those people. You know, they're, they're doing the rounds trying to get their first choice before they go ahead and post the job. Yeah, and th- there was actually an announcement um, a month or two before Rodney left. Um, and, and in R&D, but largely working with like other, like working with the video game people and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's was sort of like in the same department, but not the same job. But it could also be that they shuffle people around. You know, they they were anticipating uh, Rodney leaving maybe ahead of time, and were maybe thinking to shift some people around, and and that was the position that ended up open. So, but who, so we you know who knows? We have no idea. Liz, what do you think about uh, all of this about Rodney leaving? Are you sad to see him go? And uh, what are your hopes for the future? Yeah, I mean, I was definitely sad to see him go. Um, it sort of all went down in um, the 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 few days w- in the lead up, and then when I was at uh, PaizoCon in mm-hmm. Seattle, and so actually the first person I talked to about it was Wolfgang Bauer, and I was like, "Oh my god, did you see?" And we sort of, <laughs> we we both sort of uh, shared our our dismay at hearing the news and um it was it was definitely sad uh i i enjoyed following him on twitter and he was one of my my favorite people to follow on there mm-hmm. um and i my gut says and i don't have any insider knowledge let me just put that out there <laughs> because i know that will be the first people thing people might think i don't know anything beyond what you guys know but my gut says that they're going to probably use this as an excuse to keep the team smaller Mm -hmm. um and i might be wrong i hope i am but that's just kind of what my gut says yeah i don't disagree i I think i i think i have a similar gut feeling and similar hopes that that's not true (laughs) right (laughs) is this a thing where and and again this is speculation on my part but when you see the way that people do leave wizards of the coast is this a, well, let me get out of here now while I can, while I'm kind of on top and I have a, a you know, a good rapport with everybody here as opposed to waiting around for my inevitable pink slip? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's not uncommon for, for D&D guys to go off to video game companies. One, because there's a lot of them in Seattle already and they don't have to move. Right. Uh, but two, I, I think... There's more money working in video games than working yeah, in Watsi. I, I, th- I think yep. it's a promotion. I know that the R&D team, they're always tweeting about playing Destiny and everything. So it's also a, a, the property and licenses and stuff that he loves working with, probably. Or that he's excited yep. to work on. He's passionate to play them and everything. That's always a good thing. Dave Gibson, how do you feel about Rodney? How do I feel about Rodney? How do you feel oh, about I, him I leaving? So much. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's the same age as me. He's actually uh, he's like a couple months old, younger. Remember mm-hmm. the the goodbye Rodney thing? Anyways, he's he's been working on D and D since he was twenty. He's been a full time employee at Wizards since he was like two thousand six. Since he was twenty six, and here he is, you know, thirty five. And he's like, you know, I've done as much as I can with D and D. Time to move on. <laughs> oh. Well, David, if, if you're regretting that, if you're regretting that, David, I hear they have an opening. <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe. So much. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but it's, um, yeah. no, it's, I'm sure he's actually a great guy. I, I very briefly met him at Gen Con and actually threw a copy of my book at him as well. So it was you and Rodney Thompson, uh, James. Oh, hey. I feel nice I'm amongst company. great company. So. <laughs> I feel like I've done all I can in podcasting, though, and uh, <laughs> it's time for me to <laughs> move on to yeah. newspapers. That's for the future. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, 
it does feel like he's he's trying to get out on top because he's been doing it for he's been doing it for 15 years now. That's a long time to be in one job. Well, I suppose he's only been employed there for nine years. If my math is right. So that's a it's still a long time to be in one job. And he's he's created an addition. He's done a board game. He's done Star Wars. It's like what else can he do to top this? I mean, you get the edition 5.5 with shiny gold foil cover that's hologrammed and <laughs> comes with a hundred dollar bill it's well and i think that the next step for him in, internally would have been taking you know a chris perkins job a, a jeremy crawford maybe uh or a mike marles and and maybe this is just a sign that you know they're not going anywhere you know so there was no well, opportunity it's <laughs> that's when he's like he's a top where he's still the game designing if he goes any higher then he's managerial type right. thing. he's like managing a department and then he's not really a game designing anymore so he's he's uh, promoted himself to not doing the job he wants. Mm-hmm. That's how I kind of see it. And so it's time to, you know, bowing out on top seems like a good way to go. You know, I was so worried when I saw the announcement that it was, you know, a preemptive layoff or creative differences. And I'm just I was so happy to see that it was Bungie and he was just you know, moving on to, you know, bigger and better things. And, and I, I wish him all the best, despite Definitely. my horrible crippling envy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they did just hire Sean K. Reynolds, who has oh, lots of good cool. experience. So yeah, they, they do have someone huge. else on staff. Sean K. Reynolds is a huge get for them. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think last time you were on, Jeff, you were talking about how you'd be happy if Wizards of the Coast was stealing Paizo talent. And Sean <laughs> K. Reynolds was most recently with Paizo. So. Mm-hmm. Was, yeah. He was with Wizards of the Coast before this, though, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. yeah. So he's him returning to Wizards. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, you know, I think, honestly, I think now that Paizo has been around doing the Pathfinder thing for a while, I think you're going to see people get traded back and forth a bunch. You know, uh, well, it's, I think especially now that fifth edition is out, I think fourth edition was enough different, and there was enough pushback from the from the Pathfinder crowd. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they were working on Pathfinder because they didn't want to work on fourth. You know, now fifth uh, is a little bit more in line with something that I think that people might be interested in working with. So, uh, you know, Pathfinder, there's a lot of things just because it's been around longer that have been made for Pathfinder. <laughs> you know, that D and D does not have nearly as many options uh, at the moment. It's probably fresher ground to go yeah. and, and till and everything too. Well, guys, I think that is going to do it for this edition of the Roundtable. Where can people find you, Jeff Greiner? Right here. This is where you find me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Right here <laughs> on the Tome oh. Show's feed. Dave Gibson, where can you be found? I'm on Twitter at, at @dndjester, and my blog webcomic, 5-Minute Workday, is available at 5mwd.com. Yeah, and that webcomic is great, guys. You should check it out. Every Tuesday, Thursday. Uh, And Liz, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Liz Tice, or if you don't know how to spell that, at Liz The Is. All right. And you can find me on Twitter at James Intracasso. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Or you can leave us a comment about the show at thetomeshow.com or at facebook.com slash thetomeshow. Or you could call the Tome Show's biz line at 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E. Please do that. I really want someone to call the biz line. So, Jeff, (laughs) how often does that happen? Um, usually like once or twice whenever somebody makes a big call out like this. <laughs> the last time I, I got a couple of calls on it was um, when I did a, a thing where I, I mentioned it on the show and I'm like, um, I don't even know if it works anymore. So like two or three people called in just to say, yep, it's working. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so guys, go ahead. Give us a call in. Give us a shout out. Tell us, Drizzt, yay or nay 
all right? <laughs> and then we can finally settle the debate. Uh, you can also check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age. It's the fifth edition world that I'm building over at worldbuilderblog.me. Okay, everybody, thanks for listening. And thanks to Jeff, Dave, and Liz. Extra special thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup. You don't have to do that every week. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna. It's gonna be, it's gonna be ten years later, and I'm won't even be on. The, like it'll just be yours. I'll give you the Tome Show, and you'll still be thinking. I about don't it. know. That's why I keep thanking you because yeah. I, you're not going anywhere. So you're staying right here. Uh, and to Sam Dillon for getting the podcast out there on the airwaves. Our theme music, which you're listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. And hey, if you like the show, please rate The Tome Show on iTunes, like us on Facebook. Keep on rolling, keep on listening to The Roundtable.